The Fred Minnick Show is brought to you by Beeline. Visit findyoursiffingpoint.com, by Michter's American Whiskies, and by 291 Colorado Whiskey. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Fred Minnick Show. Folks, we have a very, very, very important episode this week. I talked to Amaj. Amaj is a wonderful country music singer, black country music singer, has incredible vocals, very, very talented. But more importantly than anything, is she has a message that we all need to sit down and listen to. So not going to be any trivia question this week. There's not going to be um, really any kind of my normal banter. This is a very different this is a very different interview because I feel like the world needs to hear these types of stories. And they're full warning, there is no whiskey in this episode. So we don't actually taste any whiskey. Uh, Amaj does not drink. So, And we met last year at Hometown Rising. Now that interview is also on uh, YouTube. You can see our first interview. It is on uh, YouTube right now as well. So without further ado... Please enjoy this uh, this interview with Homage, and afterward, uh, check out her video. But first, a word from our sponsors. 291 Colorado Whiskey aims to create a one-of-a-kind, bold, and beautiful Colorado whiskey. Rugged, refined, rebellious. Distillery 291 is an award-winning small-batch whiskey distillery located in Colorado Springs, Colorado, nestled in the shadow of Pikes Peak. Owner and founding distiller Michael Myers grew up on family farms in Georgia and Tennessee, across a countryside defined by rolling hills, horses, and whiskey. He set out to create a flagship whiskey that evoked the Wild West. A cowboy walking into a bar saying, give me a whiskey, and the bartender slamming down a bottle, a bottle of 291 Colorado whiskey. Find a bottle near you at 291coloradowhiskey.com. Ride it like you stole it. Drink it like you own it. Live fast. Drink responsibly. Imagine this, an experience centered around five Kentucky Bourbon Trail craft tour distilleries in northern Kentucky, the gateway to Kentucky bourbon. Add five amazing bourbon-centric bars and five delicious bourbon-focused restaurants, cultivating the freshest takes and culinary delights, and you are on the beeline. Start your trip today at findyoursippingpoint.com. Michter's Distillery, our passion is making the finest bourbon, rye, and American whiskey possible. When you only produce very small batch and single barrel whiskey as we do, each and every barrel has to be perfect. No detail is too small for our production team. From careful attention to the 18-month or more air-dried wood used in the construction of our barrels, to entering our distillate into the barrel at the costlier or lower barrel entry proof of 103 so that it's smoother, to heat cycling our barrel houses, to our signature filtration protocol, we spare no expense in pursuing our goal of making the greatest American whiskey. And no Michter's gets bottled until our master distiller Dan McKee and our master of maturation Andrea Wilson say it's just right. Michter's Fort Nelson Distillery in downtown Louisville, Kentucky is open for tours and tastings. Book your visit on our website and stop by the bar at Fort Nelson for a world-class cocktail. For more information, follow us on social media at Michter's Whiskey, go to michters.com, or visit your favorite bartender. Michter's Distillery, 
It's all about the whiskey. I look at you as someone who very well expresses your emotions in, in your music. And I just want to kind of get a feel from you, like, how, how do you do that? Like, how are you able to, you know, communicate something that is a, a vastly emotional subject matter and, and do it in a way that's peaceful and, and loving? Like, what's your, what's your process to get there? Um, well, it's kind of difficult, I guess, to put into words unless I'm actually sitting down and in the zone because you get into, you kind of get in this space that makes you sort of disassociate from yourself and you end Mm -hmm. up walking in someone else's moccasins, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it's just tapping into something that's universal within all, within all of us that I think a lot of us are afraid to like tap into those things because of, you know, it's, a vulnerable situation being an artist in the first place and being a human being in the first place (laughs) to be able to express emotions um but it's just kind of something that you tap into and you just have to remember that there is strength and vulnerability and other people being able to see certain emotions come out of you um can be really beneficial I think like to the world, for example, that eight minute, 46 second video that um, I just put out not too long ago for the George Floyd situation. Um, And I think that's one of the videos we're probably going to show, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So so for example, with that, which is more of an extreme example, because obviously I don't do that all the time, but um, with that, I wanted to write a song to um, put out something that could kind of tap into what everyone was feeling and kind of give them a sense of solidarity. Mm-hmm. Is only the word I know how to, the, the word that I have for it, but nothing really came to mind except to put you there in the moment with what happened and so all came with I can't breathe in 46 seconds and um and that's what came out of it all of those emotions came out of it and you know just with sometimes with music alone that's all you need to um connect with other people because a lot of times words don't help because people have Two, are on two different sides of the spectrum and sometimes it just takes that music that touches the spirit or goes to something deeper within all of us to really connect us you know you've been singing about you know some of these things in a genre you know that doesn't necessarily always want to hear that thank you <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. What do you when you go back and listen to that song? What does it What does it make you think now? Does Does your opinion of a song change after you go back and listen to it? Yeah, sometimes it does. Um, a lot of times, people listen to that song and they kind of hear what they want to hear, which is to be colorblind. But it's mm-hmm. not about. It's actually not about being colorblind. That was like a 
way into um, getting people who use the term colorblind in, in a way that um, is wanting to connect with people who are different from themselves um, to kind of draw them in to understand uh, the beauty of color and that we all do see color. We actually do see color. People say I'm colorblind because they don't want to see the stereotypes associated with different people. That's, that's what the term is generally used for. Mm -hmm. uh, but the whole point of colorblind is to say that I do see color. I just see beyond the stereotypes of color. I see the beauty and diversity and, and everything else about human beings. Um, and it still stands true today. So, yeah. Now let's, I, I guess let's talk a little bit. Let's, um, you know, a little bit about the, you know, state of country music and, um, and, you know, you know, the movement of, of diversity and putting a spotlight on things like Confederate monuments and the Confederate flag, yeah. you know, what, what's your, what's your feel, what's your take about how country music uh, has handled, um, you know, this really this national movement? Um, I've seen quite a few people come out in support of, um, of the movement, which I think is awesome. Uh, it's interesting, people like Lady Annabelle, uh, bands like Lady Annabella changed their name to Lady A. Um, you, you know, you have different country artists coming out um, that say, yeah, I did experience racism and, you know, it's not correct. And we, there have been panels with other black country singers um, talking about the adversity that they face that they've never really be, been able to talk about because no one really wants to talk about it. It makes you uncomfortable, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, which is why I put it in my songs all the time <laughs> because it needs to be talked about. It's something that's kind of swept under the rug and you sweep enough dust under the rug and you have a, a hill. I mean, mm -hmm. you can't walk on it anymore. So um, I think the response has, has been great. Uh, of course, there's a lot more to do because we've been dealing with this, forever yeah you know, my parents dealt with it my grandparents dealt with it to more extreme extreme and more extreme degrees you know and i hope as time goes on that we can continue to make progress to understand each other and to want to understand where each other where we're all coming from um that's important too because a lot of times people they don't want to hear it they just want to stick by whatever they have to say and not having, again, walked in someone else's moccasins, you can't really um, have an opinion unless it's, it's uh, a well-informed one, I, I believe. Because when you come out and you talk in your, it, when you come out and you give your own opinion without having gotten the information of someone else's experience, then it becomes ignorance. So, yeah. um, but I think they've done great. So far. Do you, do you, so you think you think country music is taking the taking the right steps? Um, certain certain bands and things like that, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I have to dig deeper into what everyone's doing. I haven't really um, done that yet, but I've seen quite a few people come out in support um, of what people are going through and and saying yes, your feelings are valid, you know, which is important. I think I feel like real change 
is is coming. And when you have, you know, like NASCAR you know, panning the Confederate flag, which right. I didn't, I didn't, huge. I mean, I didn't have that on my bingo card. <laughs> that was huge. That came as a surprise to me as well. And I didn't realize it was Bubba Wallace who started that. So they, they said, yeah, you're, you're, you're correct. You're valid. And this is what we're going to do. So that was awesome. So, you, you know, what I, what I'm, um, you know, when I'm having these, when I'm having these conversations, you know, with, um, with some people, they don't want to hear that. They just want to go into kind of like a, like a, like a defense mode. And I, I've tried to encourage people just to listen and not, and not go into a defensive posture. And, Right. That doesn't always work out. So what I've been doing now lately, I've been telling them to go listen to your music. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, People have to ask themselves, why are they defensive though? Yeah. That, why is why is something like the Confederate flag so important to you when it existed for what five years? It, it existed for five years. It belong it, it belonged to a group of people who you know, basically did not want to, um, free slaves and they lost, they lost, they lost, they lost the war, but it's the USA. Yeah. A, a it, country that currently live in America. What I find interesting is that, you know, in other countries where you have like, you know, civil wars or, or like, a, a lost government, like the Nazis in Germany, you don't see those flags flown. You don't see those statues, you know? So it's just, it's just interesting that they were even, you know, just, it's weird. Right. You don't hear, you don't see Hitler and his cronies erected as statues anywhere. Right. And, and I know that, um, people don't necessarily always want to hear this, but again, (laughs) we need to talk about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, and it's, Adversity, racism, and all of that, that's something that Black people experience constantly. It's its not like a once every blue moon situation. And um, for for those statues and of, you know, slave owners and people who are against human rights to still be up, it doesn't make any sense. And a lot of times I found that people who want them up never really cared about them until somebody said, tear them down. Yeah. So <laughs> that's you, have true. To ask yourself, you have to ask yourself that question. Why do you, why do you care now that people who don't want them up are tearing them down? You never cared in the first place. And in yeah. Germany, of course you have the, the situation with the concentration camps and Auschwitz and all of that, but those are, you know, museums, and they're set up to be seen as educational experiences, not to be looked up to, mm-hmm. or in a in a park for people to look at it and and say, "Oh, this is a great person." When really they were horrible, horrible humans, violating human rights and raping and pillaging and everything else. Why would that be up? <laughs> I think that's exactly right. I think there's a difference between remembering what happened and celebrating the people uh who you know persecuted others and yeah. and i and so there's there's definitely you know a, a line 
that should be drawn there. Uh, we, we should not forget our history. If we forget our history, we will repeat it. And, and having, um, you know, Confederate monument is not necessarily remembering it. It's in a way celebrating. It. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad with a lot of the wonderful things that people are doing, um, both to push the movement along and, and, um, to be allied with the movement, and a lot of people are are open to learning new things, and we're all learning new things about ourselves, which is amazing. Because uh, you grow old if you the first you become old if you don't continue to learn. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us are are starting to learn more and more. Imagine, you know, all the moments that video wasn't there to capture it, and. Exactly. And that is to me is, is the awakening moment for, for the world. It's like when we listen, when we listen to people about what is going on and what has been going on, our, our eyes are opened and yeah. And another thing is, um, you know, did your mom ever have to have a talk with you about what to do in a situation when a cop comes? A lot of young, well, 99% of black boys are have to have a talk with their mother. They say, look, keep your hands this way and that way and make sure you're paying attention. Say yes, sir. No, sir. You know, there's certain things that, there's certain talks that you have with your son in order to ensure that he comes home alive. Wow. Yeah, and that's, that's something that's just normal in the black community. But you don't see that in other communities. And I, I feel like you shouldn't even have to say, I know some great police officers. I feel like if there's a, if, if something is messed up, if your computer is messed up, you go in and get it fixed. If something's wrong with the system, you just fix it. You would imagine, but, <laughs> but it's, I wish it was that simple. You know, uh, when in the military, we had a thing called um, the USCMJ, the Uniform Code of Military Justice. And that, that was over everybody. You screwed up in any way. You got article 15, you got a UCMJ, you know, there's the, the watchdog over you in the military is intense and things do happen, but people get punished. The police forces, um, you know, they're all very different. You know, every city is different and they all have different, um, you know, restrictions and unions in there. But, um, um, you know, I live in Louisville and ours, our police force has been pretty, pretty, um, pretty much in the national news a lot because of the actions of a few. And sometimes that system is protected and the good cops unfortunately are getting lumped into lumped into the bad cops because of a broken system. Well, and that's the thing too, when you talk about the military and how someone's, you know, overseeing someone else, people should, you would imagine that in the police force, you'd be encouraged to hold your brother accountable, hold your sister accountable. And it just makes you a better cop. But like you said, sometimes it's, 
certain situations are protected so that you don't get in trouble, but that just makes, that just makes things worse. Yeah. And there's, there's also, there's also like, um, you know, um, you know, this definitely was not, you know, the area I thought we would be talking about, but we'll go with it. Um, there's also the situation of like, when we look at all of our public servants, um, Mm -hmm. our teachers, our firefighters, I mean, across the board, I don't feel like we pay them enough. And if I knew that was, coming, (laughs) you know, and, and if you, if, if, if we, if we pay teachers better, then we have a better society, in my opinion. I think it really starts with education everywhere. Because, I mean, teachers are buying their students' school supplies. Yeah. Teachers constantly dip into their already low paychecks to, to help run the classroom. And that's just, that's not cool. That's, yeah. that's wrong, in my opinion. Um, so that needs to be handled. And then the other thing is uh, the mental illness aspect. You know, I have a mentally ill, disabled brother, and my mom is terrified that something is going to happen to him because anytime he has a break, you know, it's like, what do I do? Because if I call the police, he could die tonight. You know, training training needs to be changed as well. I mean, I live in I live in a um, in a city that has or that's been working on training with the police officers and mental health, but. I, it would be awesome if that was uh, that was started everywhere, um, because a lot of times, you, most of the times, you don't really need to use violence. It doesn't have to come to that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's another scary thought that you kind of live with. So that's kind of a double thing: mental illness and being, you know, a black man. And uh, I was talking to a friend the other day, and I know, and that there was kind of a, an admission that something about black men are inherently scary and i don't know what it is why 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 is my skin seen as a threat why is it weaponized and who started that where does that come from you know it doesn't make any sense and and people don't want to admit it but um i mean i think you People know how they feel, but they a lot of times they deny it. But a lot of times, black men are seen as a threat just by the color of their skin and the way that they look. Yeah, that is that's wrong. That's wrong, yeah. and and it's and it's a it's deeply rooted, unfortunately. You know, and 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 like, how do we get to that? How do we get how do we get past that? You know, I, I feel like sports is a great equalizer. Music is a great equalizer. Um, you know, in my world, whiskey, which last time we talked, you told me you didn't drink whiskey. But, um, <laughs> no, I don't do drugs or alcohol. <laughs> um, you're, you're the, you're the, you're like a saint, you know, like, no. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the vice and, you know, you're like perfect. Um, Not to say that, I mean, Everybody has their thing. That is true. Which is fine. I think everyone should be able to have their thing. If you're not hurting someone and you're just enjoying your life, let's say we have one life to live. If we, if we do let everybody enjoy it the way they want to, you know, that's, that's, (laughs) that's a good way to put it. Uh, it, But like when we, like, I just think of like all the things that 
you know, could bring us together and, 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 and help um, our society right now. We can't do a lot of it because of, of, of the virus. And, um, you know, but also by, by the virus not allowing us to get together and actually focus on the situation, you know, that might be bringing it out a little bit more into the open. So it's a, our country has a, has a history of like trying to move on of, of something like they don't want to focus too much on it. 9-11 happens and we have 0% car deals to get the economy going. That's an example. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, we can't, we have to focus on the issues right now because there's nothing to distract us. And, and that's almost a positive, but coming out of this, well, what do you, how do we, how do we get better as a society, um, about loving one another? Right. How do you get better? I think number one is education. I would imagine. Um, you, you have to you have to be able to look at yourself first and what you're doing. Even if you think you're the most non-racist person in the world and you've never been racist or prejudiced against someone else, you still have to kind of reflect on who you are and what you've done in your life and, and whether or not you stopped others. Mm-hmm spoken up for other others i actually wrote a post about it on how racism is not kept alive by racist people racism is kept alive by people who are indifferent who just allow them to eat it's they're allowed to exist now if everyone was completely intolerant of racism racists at every level then they would become like a pariah and they would disappear, you know, into, they'd become obsolete. But because people allow them to exist, they exist. So good people who want everyone to come together and want um, all this to be fixed uh, need to speak up whenever something happens, especially within their family and friends, because that's the most, that's really the most difficult time to speak up because you don't want to have conflict with those that you love, but that's when you need to do it most. Yeah. And that's hard, you know, it's hard because, you know, a lot, a lot of people have that family member. They just know they can't get through to. And so they're just like, give up that's and i'm not i'm not just saying this to kind of stroke your ego but that's why like in the background if you got that family member you know just put your ipad or your itunes or however you listen to your music just put on a little bit of homage you know maybe 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 some of your music will just kind of like uh, uh <laughs> sneak in there and you know change how well, they think a little bit put on some guests who's coming to dinner <laughs> i mean you know you got you do so you maybe you got some subliminal action in there you could uh you know change some folks's uh, opinions on things <laughs> yeah so you have to speak up you have to be courageous because it's like for example as an artist people always ask me how in the world do you go on stage in front of thousands of people and not 
aren't you scared? Are you scared? Mm. You know, of course I'm terrified before I go on stage. I'm always terrified <laughs> before I go on stage, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it regardless of how I feel. You know, you just kind of walk through the fire because what's on the other side is so magical and beautiful. And so that's yeah. the same thing you have to do with um, fixing this whole situation with institutionalized racism and, and, and fighting and everything else is you have to walk through that fear to talk to those closest to you. Yeah. And to, and to reflect on yourself first and foremost, reflect on yourself and, and um, educate yourself. I mean, there are certain films that you can watch like, um, 13th, which is a great documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah on that's, that's all free on YouTube right now, actually. Right. So. That one. And there's another one that I really love. Um, oh, goodness, what is it called? There was a film put out in the 1900s that was a, um, it was a really racist film about the KKK and all that, but the title was used for a film that came out in 2018 um, that teaches you about slavery and what happened and that sort of thing. Great film. But there's a, a lot of, you know, amazing films out there. Um, the Hate You Give, I think, is another one. Mm -hmm. um, so for people who don't like to read, which I really encourage you to read anyway, <laughs> but if you don't like to read, there's a bunch of films out there that can kind of awaken your senses to mm -hmm. what their people are going through um there's a book that was written by dr joy um about post-traumatic uh, slave syndrome uh, i was able to i was lucky enough to see her live and she spoke on it um in miami at the art therapist association of America, I was speaking that day as well, but she was the keynote speaker. And she talks about how slavery is something that, because it went on for so long, is now encoded into our DNA where we're having PTSD. And but you know, there's actual, um, for anyone who wants to dispute that, uh, there is a there was a lot of studies on uh, survivors of the Holocaust and how their family members uh, reacted. And they discovered that grandchildren who did not even know their grandparents or knew their grandparents were in the Holocaust, that they had PTSD from the Holocaust. So that, okay. that, that is absolutely 1000% true. So. Right. Right. Um, and so and that, that went on for a shorter period of time than slavery did. So imagine 400 years of that. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's deeply, deeply rooted in everything. And, I mean, you think about the breeding and everything else. And, you know, there's a reason I look the way I look and the way my father looks and everything else. Um, all that is kind of tied into and encoded into the DNA. And um, so I would encourage you to look up Dr. Joy um, and post-traumatic slave syndrome, but there's, there's, there's so much information out there. If you genuinely want racism to end, uh, there's so much information out there. And of course I encourage people to talk to their friends and ask them about their experiences and, and what they went through. Of course we're all different, but there's something that kind of ties us all together. I've had yeah. quite a few 
experiences. A lot of times when I have, I've had experiences, it's been with my brothers, you know, because they have the Afros and the darker skin. And, and so, yeah, I just encourage people to educate themselves and to be open to doing so if you genuinely want change and, and world peace, which I would love for us to have someday. Right. <laughs> so. I'm curious, do your brothers have any musical talents? Do they, do, do they have the gift that you have? I don't really talk about them much, but <laughs> I have a brother who does a lot of video and photography for me. And um, Oh, I met him. Yeah, I met him. Yeah. And, you know, he's the 6'5 yeah. giant. Um, but, uh, you know, the giants are always gentle giants. <laughs> so, but he, he modeled. That's about it. So, well, you are, you are definitely, um, a talent. Uh, what, what's new in the, in the music world? Are you, uh, working on any new songs or albums right now? I'm working on some new music. Yes. Of course, with the COVID-19 situation, um, everything has been delayed or canceled. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of us, most artists right now are navigating through that and trying to figure out how to, um, how they're how to keep their message relevant during this time while we're not able to kind of have huge concerts and things like that. The way I do that is by making posts, message you know, posts about peace and love, <laughs> and speaking on things like this and TikToks, of course. <laughs> I still haven't figured out TikTok. I mean, oh, I... uh, TikTok is so fun. Don't sleep on it. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I've tried to do the dancing. And I don't know. Just, <laughs> there's just so many things you got to do right now to, and I, you know, I have to, I have to choose my battles. I can't, uh, I, I, if you're good at TikTok, I, my, my buddy Kenny's really good at TikTok. He'll be pouring bourbons and like dancing to it. And it's like, he looks like a radio DJ, like, oh, you know, <laughs> that's awesome. And you know, you don't always have to dance. I mean, like, that's like the number one thing, but you know, you have, country artists like myself making music and also delve into different things like acting and um, comedy and all that other stuff. Um, but yeah, I have a few shows that I'm, I'm getting together for later in the year and for 2021, but for the most part, everything's been kind of delayed. So I've had a lot of time. I've had the privilege to have a lot of time to, to write songs and that sort of thing. So well, um, you know, you're, you're, you know, the, the, the sky's the limit for you. I just think, I just think the world of your music and your thoughtfulness, I think your message was on point today. And I think you have your music. Um, I, I, this is my opinion and I, and I hope that people will listen, listen to me on this, but I feel like your music can help convey um, the answers that a lot of people are looking for right now. You know, yeah. you, you, you have a, your music communicates, it communicates the message. And, and I know, um, I know people need to hear that message. Thank you so much. That means a lot, Fred. Well, Amaj, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I know this won't be the first time. Um, I, I'm, um, I, I'm confident that one day, you know, you'll be, you know, 
I know you opened you opened at Hometown Rising, but one day you'll be doing the night show, the night talk shows, and and all that. So you are uh, a star for sure on the rise. Uh, thank you, Fred. I appreciate you. All right, Amaj, be safe. Cheers. Okay, you too. I hope you enjoyed or at least learned something from from that interview with Amaj. And I believe that if we just listen, if, if, if we listen and we stop, you know, people stop trying to be defensive about every single thing and we listen and we try to um, have, have a moment of change, like, I feel like we can get past, past this and have true equality. Um, but we need, to, we need to listen and people need to take this seriously and not just want to move on to the next thing. We need to really focus on it and and fix it. We'll end with Amaj's video remembering George Floyd. Enjoy.
Thank <laughs> you.